SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Underdog Podcast on UnderdogDynasty.com, SB Nation's home for G5 football. On uh, this episode, we are going to talk a little CUSA versus the American Conference. Uh, But first, Joe Lonergan here with Eric Henry and uh, the newest uh, member of our team, Miss Emily Van Buskirk. Really excited to have you join the the American Conference part of our writing team. And uh, yeah, you're going to have your own podcast as well. You're so excited you had to try to jump in there before I was done. (laughs) I've always thought timing was my thing, but that was um, the most awkward way to fall into someone's podcast. So happy to be here. Uh, Excited to improve upon that initial entry. So, yeah. No, it's all good. It's going to be nice to uh, have another member of the underdog team on the West Coast. You know, it's it's tough to kind of see, you know, everybody talking about, you know, Publix pub subs and all the other East Coast, <laughs> whatever that our team talks about in Slack. But finally, someone who I can brag about in and out with, I guess. I literally just ate in and out in the car on the way up north. So yes, anytime you want to talk animal style, I am here. <laughs> it's just going to be us trading pictures of double doubles it's going to be weird <laughs> joe is, is this where i get to chime in and talk about how overrated in and out is listen emily you'll get accustomed to us when we do this pod at various times you know when we don't have a defined uh outline during the season we're going to get sidetracked mm-hmm. and it usually revolves around joe's very caucasian references that i try to laugh through you know and, and act as if i get but most times i don't um, but in this case, it's going to be in and out because the fact of the matter is it's overrated. And I, I would take a pub sub any day out of the week, 10 days out of 10 over in and out. So uh, have that, you West Coasters. My God, listen, pub subs are really good. I am not going to sit here and, you know, try and spout untruths like that. But there is something about a double-double created just the way you like it and then smothered with thousand island sauce and onions and american cheese it's just literally like the most american thing ever so <laughs> i uh, i had to mute there, eric's buddy. mic you'll get there <laughs> i had to mute eric's mic remotely because i was uh, i was getting tired of the slander <laughs> yeah you almost had to do it there too when she's a thousand island dressing i listen i we may have to pick that up on on a you know off air because i don't want to get sidetracked because I, I listen em I love you. Yeah, you love me like a sister. Um, we've known each other for a while now. You have two things: a a complicated drink order after we've had a couple of drinks. Oh my god! A and <laughs> a thousand island dressing on a burger. That's just it's really hard to conceptualize. But I'm, I'm done. Oh my god! It's not really thousand. I mean, it is and it isn't. All right, like you have to just have it enough. I call it thousand island because that's like the closest variant of what I can think of but it's its own thing it's animal style sauce i don't know how to describe it it's amazing and i would literally put it all over my body and on everything i would you and jolanda are gonna get along really well you guys you you guys (laughs) just do this podcast and i'll jump over and do the american podcast (laughs) (laughs) oh man joe get us get us back on track somehow (laughs) but with uh just a few more weeks until the college football season i know we're excited to kind of talk about uh what's on the g5 slate so uh emily we're going to dive into some american conference questions for you uh as you're on the road here um to start off with 
Let's look at the number 10 team in the country, the Cincinnati Bearcats, uh, the only American conference team that was able to crack the top 25. Uh, for the uneducated, what makes this Bearcat team so dangerous? I loved how um, that question was phrased. It was honestly such a, a great question instead of saying like, oh, what makes this team good and why do you like them? But I will say this, obviously with their national relevance, um, they were able to stay on my radar, you know, the past couple of seasons. And I think um, one of the things that makes them so incredible is that they limit their mistakes. You know, they have, they have this strong defense that's not only just a good defense, but they create so much chaos. You know, they're third, they were third in passing efficiency, eighth in scoring defense, tied for third in INTs. They're just disruptive. And when you add that, you know, with obviously the impressive offense, that completeness makes them so dangerous. And they do not shoot themselves in the foot. They are not their own worst enemy. So I think that's what, if you're, if you're not familiar with who they are and why they're so good, that would be the best way to describe it. And it's those kind of teams, you know, that, that do so well, that are able to limit their own mistakes. And, and one other thing I think if I was telling people about it is, I love that they, their tight end led the team with the receiving yards last season. 353, six touchdowns. That's incredible. To me, tight ends are adjacent to fullbacks, which are my favorite, you know, is my favorite position. So I love to see a guy like that leading the team. It, it makes, it shows that they're dynamic. It shows that you're not going to be able to defend them because you don't know which guy is going to just have a game. So um, I think that's what I would say to the uneducated. That's true. You do describe yourself as a fullback advocate. <laughs> what is it about fullbacks that just really does it for you? Oh my God, literally how much time do we have? Um, I, I, I started down this, this journey. I'll give you the, the Cliff's Notes version, but basically I, you know, I grew up a Stanford fan. My dad went there. And so I've gone to Stanford games for as long as I can remember. And it was my first real relationship with football. And they had a guy on their team back when um, Jim Harbaugh was there, 2009, 2010. And his name was Owen Marisic. And most people are not familiar with him, but he was such an important player in college football. He was one of the few to play both offense and defense. And he played fullback on offense. He played linebacker on defense. And people probably don't remember this, but in Notre Dame 2010 game, he actually scored a touchdown on offense, okay, and then turned around the next play on defense, picked off a pass, and ran it back for a touchdown. So back-to-back touchdowns. I'm not even sure if that's ever been done in college football. So that was where my love of the fullback really took hold, was watching him play. And then knowing who he was as a person, I mean, he's a surgeon now. He went to medical school. He's incredibly intelligent and hardworking. And those kind of values are important to me on a personal level as well as a player level. So the fullback to me just embodies kind of the heart and soul of the team. And, um, you know, I've, I've spent my entire career advocating for them. They're not dead. College football didn't kill them. Um, and I will, I will die on that hill, 100%. So that's fascinating. And which, by the way, I, I remember that Stanford Notre Dame game well. Unfortunately, as a Notre Dame fan, or as someone who uh. grew up a Notre Dame fan, I should say. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's interesting what we kind of attach ourselves to uh, as we kind of you know 
allow football to become more and more a part of ourselves. Um, but mm-hmm. back to UC and the American, obviously the Bearcats mm-hmm. are favored to uh, win the conference. Uh, number two team in the league, according to the media poll, uh, UCF Knights. Um, so with a new guy at the helm and Gus Malzahn, uh, what are some of the major changes, if any, that you foresee to the way that uh, UCF operates this year? I mean, I I got to tell you, I am so excited about this hire. And I know there was some mixed emotions. Um, obviously, UCF trending downwards in that last year of April. So then him moving on to Tennessee. I can never say his name. The, the last of his era was this downturn. And so people were ready for something new. But, you know, you see Gus Malzahn leaving Auburn. And it's such a puzzling kind of situation to to see him depart after so many years and being so successful and then it almost feels like UCF lucked into this incredible you know coach and his dynamic offense and I'm very excited so I think it's going to be more of the same you know you've got a very talented UCF offense pretty much could run itself I don't even not even sure they would need a coach at this point but Dylan Gabriel is so fun to watch and they're so deep at all the positions. So I just think we're going to, you know, he's just going to take over and he's just going to let them do what they do and guide them. I love Gus Malzahn and his up-tempo-ness. And I actually interviewed him last year about fullbacks, funny enough. And he talked to me about how he believes the fullback is such an important part to the dynamic offense. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little fullback action uh, over there at UCF this year. That would be quite fun. With the AAC, uh, I know we're going to see UCF take Cincinnati right down to the wire at the end of the season here. Uh, but as far as CUSA is concerned, um, I know we're going to see CUSA and the AAC interact plenty of times this year, uh, right into opening weekend with Navy hosting Marshall on September 4th. Um, obviously, Marshall kind of going through a lot of transitions. Uh, Navy, um, you know, it, it, we're not, we never really see the Naval Football Academy system change do we right but what what can we expect from that game you know i love watching navy and as you guessed it it's because they feature a fullback and i love their triple option i know that people say that it's dying and and it's you know doesn't have a place in this new spread world but i think that there are coaches like tulane's head coach Willie Fritz, who have found ways to kind of merge the spread and the shotgun into that triple option and still be very successful. So while Navy isn't that hybrid yet, I do think that they have the ability to evolve, but I will celebrate the fact that they run the very old school triple and I love it. Um, I like watching them play. I am interested to see how this Marshall game goes. I just had Will Ulmer on my podcast to talk about, you know, his NIL stuff, but he did mention the Navy game as something they're all very excited for. And one of the other things that he said that is a big concern everyone's talking about is, you know, the, the change in, in coaches over at Marshall. Um, but Will Ulmer said that it's been a 100% smooth transition. They love Coach Huff. They love the energy that he brings. And, you know, no disrespect to Doc Holliday at all, but it, I think, you know, the young, fresh breath of air, is, it was much needed. Um, not to say that Doc Holliday was – old by any means just in the sense that he's veteran and he's been doing the things that he's been doing the same way for a while so it'll it'll be fun to see Marshall you know in this new energetic upbeat kind of um, light so yeah I talked with him and I also spoke with their offensive coordinator Tim Cramsey who is a good buddy of mine and we were chatting about you know getting ready for this Navy offense 
for their defense and 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 the triple and to watch the triple option. So he said they're excited. They've been studying, you know, so much film, and and he feels very confident and very ready. But mostly, they're just excited to play such a storied program. So I think we're going to see a lot of fireworks in this game um, offensively, both not only from the triple option from Navy, but you know, Marshall has an incredible offense, and one of my favorite players is Xavier Gaines. So I'm excited to see him at Marshall. And obviously Grant Wells, you know, in his sophomore year, getting a little bit stronger under center, a little bit more confident. It's going to be fun. I'm excited to watch that game. I know we are too, but uh, that's interesting. You said that you had Will Ulmer on your podcast. Uh, Tell me how soon before we see Coach Huff, you know, part of the backing band for for Will as he pursues his music career. That's a, that's a very that's a good question. You know, I've I asked him and I said, do you think that you would ever get you know some of your your teammates up on stage? And he did mention one of the players. He he didn't say much about coaches and the music, but he did mention um, another player that he was thinking about collabing with because he was more of an urban hip hop music, and you know, Will is more country. So they were gonna do you know like a little Nas X type deal. Um, and maybe cross over some of that music. But, you know, there is a video of him singing with all of the offensive linemen in the background. It's worth looking up on Twitter. Um, but I have not heard if any coaches will join yet. That That's a very good question. I'll have to follow up with, with Coach Huff. <laughs> Yeah, Joe, I think you're I think uh, you're inviting yeah. the rat poison there, right? You know, with uh, Coach Huff there, if you would say so myself. <laughs> sure. So uh, another team that CUSA fans are going to see a few times this season is uh, the SMU Mustangs. Uh, I believe they're playing uh, Louisiana Tech as well as uh, that big rivalry game against North Texas. Uh, what's the key to shutting down that kind of high-powered offense that we see in Dallas? Yeah, Sonny Dykes, man. It is it is very weird. I and saw him one game last year when they played at Tulane and it, it was strange to see him, you know, in this role outside of Cal because I was so used to seeing him in this, you know, prolific offense that he instilled with in Berkeley and, you know, him and Tony Franklin just dialing up Jared Goff's stats. But I think, you know, it's a good fit for him at SMU and he's obviously been doing really well. So whatever happens with their, you know, quarterback situation, they have a lot of talent and they really, they took advantage of the transfer portal. So that was good to see, but I think whoever is going to play them needs to put pressure quickly on this offense because it is so potent and so explosive. So there's going to need to be a lot of pressure. I would think maybe some blitzes, especially since you're, you're looking at a quarterback replacement, someone who hasn't been at the helm. So really getting them off of their game and shaking them, and busting through the offensive line is going to be how you're going to get an edge on SMU. Emily, one more question from me before I turn it over to Eric here. Um, <laughs> with obviously the rise of the Sun Belt last year, we see two Sun Belt teams in the top 25 heading into this year. The MAC is is getting stronger as we speak. But that being said, the Americans still kind of seeing its fair share of success. Do you consider the American the strongest G5 conference currently? I, I was dreading this question because I hate having to choose between all of the group of fives because they're all like my children and I love them all equally. And they're so much fun. All of the different, you know, the different little things that they have from the Sunbelt to the match into to all of the, you know, in the little quirks that make them who they are. So it's really tough because there's good play in all of these conferences. But of course, if you're talking about, the best one and the ones that can compete, because I know Eric has a similar question about, you know, teams competing with power fives. 
of course you have to say the American when you look at top to bottom overall talent, especially with UCF's, you know, rise recently and Houston having, you know, being strong. Um, but I honestly would make an argument for uh, the mid-American conference because Mac has just been so – Maction has been such a factor in college football, and we got to see so much of it during – especially during the COVID year, and it was all over TV. So I, of course, have to say American by default, but I would not be opposed to throwing Maction in there or a little Mountain West because the Mountain West teams – have really been firing. I mean, Tedford's got Fresno State up there. San Jose State has been incredible as of late. And um, it's just San Diego State even, you know, with, with their resurgence. So I would say those two would be a close second behind American for me. Yeah, so Emily, I'm going to pick up the questions right there. And I, I will say this as I had a chance to listen in on the fine line of questioning by Mr. Londergan. <laughs> a little fun fact about me, something I don't think I've, I've ever shared with you. I know Joe knows, knows this about me. Uh, I, too, am a former fullback, Jacksonville University, a little NAIA football, a long-lost fullback who can do nothing but run directly into people and, uh, you know, kind of break up the wedge on uh, on kickoff. So uh, your your um, affinity for fullbacks is one that is after my heart. So I feel like I should state that first and foremost. But in transitioning into the questions with the American, want to start off with kind of a bit of a, a softball here. And by no means am I expecting that you've been to every uh, American Athletic Conference venue and there are, you know, quite a few, but mm-hmm. what's your favorite AAC venue that you've been to and why? And knowing you as well as I do, I have a feeling I know where you're going, but I'll let you tell the fine folks. <laughs> I, I think you probably will be able to guess, but I, I think I made it to, let's see, uh, one, two, I was counting these the other day. I've only made it to like a handful of the venues. So my experience is going to be limited you know by that so i will say my favorite one is tulane i honestly feel like there's really nothing like a game at yulman stadium and one of it's so small but it feels so big and every seat is a good seat um and the sunsets behind the stadium are incredible i really like watching football there and the atmosphere is incredible it's honestly where I heard young boy never broke again for the first time on the field at Yulman stadium. And I think it's just such a vibe. I love going there. I think the players are fun. I I think their organization's fun and it's right in new Orleans, you know, like literally you could walk out and go to new Orleans, which is incredible. So I bet you thought I was going to say Tulane, right? You nailed it. M. and you know, (laughs) we we have a, we have a pretty standard format here. Like I'll run through my question. Joe will run through his, but since, you know, this is more casual, I'm going to tee up Joe here. So I'll give him a second to, Hi, back on the mic. But uh, before I, I do, a couple of things that I like about Yeoman to piggyback off what Emily said. And of course, I'm biased. My favorite is not Yeoman. It's UCF for obvious reasons. But reasons that I like Yeoman, the sunset, it is amazing. When FIU played at Tulane, one of the best photos I think I've taken pregame, uh, I was able to get James Morgan and the other FIU quarterbacks all throwing in unison with that sunset right there behind the press box side. That is amazing. Uh, Emily also said it's a small venue, and I really like the trend. Emily, I'm curious how you kind of see this. As someone, you know, you've been to plenty of Pac-10 venues, which can be bigger. I like the smaller venues. I feel like they're more intimate, um, especially if you're, you know, at a group of five where you maybe only pack in 20, 25,000 in the house. Anyhow, I really love that atmosphere, and Tulane does it really well. And the last point you nailed on as far as it being right there in New Orleans, following the FIU game, me in full shirt and tie, ended up at a local Tulane bar 
And mm-hmm. A, I don't think I ever felt older at the time. I think I was 27. This is going back a couple of years. I was 27 at the time now. And uh, being around a bunch of 19 and 20-year-olds partying in Tulane. But it, it's it's a great point about being right there in the heart of the city. I mean, you really get that authentic feel. So I'll let you kind of, uh, kind of touch on a couple of points that I just made. Yeah, no, I agree that everything you said is right. And I'm just glad that it's something that you've experienced because I honestly feel like everyone should go there. And one of the things I'm excited about this season is that they're opening up with Oklahoma at home. And everybody was like, oh, we want them to play this in the same stadium. It's such a big game, blah, blah, blah. I think it's incredible that they managed to get Oklahoma to come to Yulman Stadium and play the game right there on campus. I can't even like begin to imagine how great that game is going to be and how fun. And I'm so excited to be going there to cover that as one of the first games of the season. So, so I'll absolutely say that. So Joe, just want to let you chime in really quick. Cannot recommend Yulman enough. If you get to New Orleans mm-hmm. and you can cover a game there, even go as a fan. It's an amazing experience. And again, this the layout of the stadium, it's really unique, really intimate. So definitely want to give you a chance to pile on that really quick before I get back to my line of questioning. So Eric, when you when you go out in New Orleans once you're done working, do you just bring a tank top with you or do you just have like a dress shirt where the <laughs> sleeves just like pop off like tearaway pants? So here's the thing, right? You know me very well, right? Typically, and Emily's been out with me. I was wearing a tank top. Uh I yeah, usually it's just like, you know, it's like basketball warm-ups, right? You just rip them off and I I got a tank top and and some, you know, some uh, some khakis ready to go, right? But some khaki uh, shorts. But in this case, uh, I, I I didn't know if I was going to be going out until last minute. One of my buddies who, uh, who covers the FI beat as well, FIU beat as well, was like, "Hey, let's uh, let's hit up this bar." I'm like, "Dude, it's a college bar," you know. He's like, "Who cares?" So you had me in there, not only in full shirt and tie, but laptop bag, laptop in the bag, trying to like haul it off away from drunk twenty year olds. So. Uh, fun experience, but to answer your question, yes, normally the 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 tear away, you know, like suit to the tank top, it, it's it's there. No, I was just gonna say I haven't had the ch- I haven't had the chance to uh, make it down to Tulane yet, but that's definitely on my list. Most definitely, Emily. Want to uh, you know transition on the field here? Sleeper team in the American. Uh, who you got? It's gonna be no surprise to you that that answer is going to also be Tulane. I'm gonna see how many of these answers are gonna be Tulane. I, it's <laughs> it's kind of scary, but I think Tulane is gonna be. I feel like I said this last year too, and obviously last year went a little bit sideways, and it was. It, we just don't count it at all for anybody. But I think when you look at the team as a whole, and you look at you know the strides that have been made, I just spoke with two of their players today, and. They said that Michael Pratt, you know, at quarterback, he just looks like a completely different, more confident guy. And that's exactly what you have to hope for, for a guy going into his second year. Um, You want him to trend up like that and you want him to get that confidence, even without, you know, losing, you lose Will Hall, but, and everybody said, oh, it's going to be tough. And then they fire their DC. But even with the new coordinators, both of the players I talked to said, it's been a completely seamless transition that these new guys get it. They're just, they fit right in, and it's been a very smooth camp so far. So I really look at Tulane, like they have some hurdles, okay, but if they can get over these hurdles, it's the most incredible season. So you look at an offense where their new offensive coordinator, Chip Long, he utilizes the tight end, and they got this tight end transfer coming in who is very, very good, but they also, you know, their starting tight end, Tyra James, is incredible, and behind him you have Will Wallace. So I'm excited for this team because of how dynamic they are, because of how good they're going to be on offense, and then also how they're going to put it together on defense. Everyone keeps talking about, you know, filling the holes of Cam Sample and Patrick Johnson, but they are going to be fine. They have guys 
that are next man up. They're loaded at linebacker. It's going to be a very, very fun team to watch. And I love their kicker, Merrick Glover. He is so reliable. Um, not super long, okay, but very, very reliable kicker. And you know that kickers are people too, and they're so important in that X factor when it comes to close games. So Tulane is going to be my team to watch. I'm going to tell you that I think they're going to upset Oklahoma in that first game just because why not go all in, right? Going out on a limb, I love it, and I would expect nothing less from you. And I will go ahead and also kind of bolster your Tulane love right there. Again, as I mentioned, having a chance to cover that that season over 2019, I had a chance to see Tyra James. He scored a touchdown in the second quarter of that game. Really big athletic tight end, uh, so he definitely is a playmaker. And it will be interesting to see. I've had a chance to watch Michael Pratt because he's from down here in this area, Was went to Boca Raton High School, and then – Deerfield Beach. I've had a chance to watch his career since he was a high school prospect. And, you know, he really looked like he belonged last year as a freshman. So definitely looking forward to see the jump that he will make from year one to year two. And in that, I think that's a nice segue to my next question. Who are five players, regardless of status or whatever it may be, just five players or, or you can go however few or however many you want them uh, that you keep an eye on in the American this year? Yeah, and that, this was a question I really appreciated you asking because it, it definitely made me do a little deep diving um, in some places. So I don't exactly have five, but I do have four. Sure. Uh, and these are, these are, I'll just ramble them off and then, um, or do you want me to go one at a time and then you can, you know, chime in or how do you want to do no, that? No, no, go for it. Go for it. Run them down. Okay. All right. So my first, and this is in no particular order at all. So the first one that I, I wrote down was um, Tulsa running back Shamari Brooks. You know, I think it's important to, and this probably isn't going to shock people because he's very talented, but he, he tore his ACL, missed the season. So I think a lot of people are going to be watching to see how his comeback looks. Deep O-line at Tulsa and a ton of running back transfers from one from Texas A&M, one from Mizzou. So it's really set up to kind of be a great season for him. And he's going to have, his, he's going to, while we have eyes on him, he's going to have his eyes on the, you know, school's all-time rushing record. So I think he's going to be a really fun player to watch. And, and you love a good success story when they come back from an injury like that. So um, I'm excited to watch him. Uh, I, sticking with the, the running back um, theme and my Tulane theme, Tulane freshman running back Taji Spears. I was told by some of the players today at Tulane that he's someone to keep an eye on. And it's exactly the same kind of story, tour, ACL tear, uh, people are wondering what he's going to be looking like. But from everything I've heard from camp so far and from, you know, the players I talked to, he looks extremely good. He's still got the explosive speed. He's healed completely well and looks like the same guy. And his spirit and, and attitude and mental state is, is good. So uh, excited to see the running back from Tulane, that freshman running back, add a layer, you know, um, to Carroll and then to, to Pratt. So um, that's my second one. Then I've got, Houston quarterback Clayton Toon, because when I watched him play against Tulane last year, I thought he was incredible, like unstoppable when I watched him in that game. Obviously, he needs to improve on some things, but I think this is the year, you know, we're going to really see him be that guy that I saw in that Tulane game. You know, as long as he improves on his interceptions, he threw 10 last season, which is too many. But as long as he takes care of that, I think we're going to see a really, like, triumphant return from him this year where he just proves all these people wrong saying that he can't be stable can't be consistent um he's going to put up a ton of yards just so many yards and i'm excited because they're going to have an expanded tight end role there at houston so he'll have so many fun things to work with 
Yeah, Emily, so those are all, you know, really good names to watch. And, of course, I'm going to be a little biased here and take a look at some of my UCF Knights. A guy who I'm pretty interested in is uh, Jalen Flash Robinson. So I, I know you uh, – so we had four names there, so I'm going to throw another one in there just to kind of beef things up a little bit. Flash Robinson coming in from Oklahoma. Uh, definitely to see, interested to see how UCF is able to, you know, kind of uh, adapt with the loss of sizable receivers going with a guy who's 5'9 and buck seventy, but it's – clocked at a four three forty, but emily i did want to ask you this really quickly i you mentioned that you talked some uh tulane players and i know you mentioned uh off air you talked to some temple players and coaches as well right is do i have that correct yeah i i became um friends with their offensive coordinator and their defensive coordinator mikey ramovich and jeff knowles um through my fullback story that i was writing and a small i was writing a story about you know small ball coaching that i actually published with you guys um, and so I got close to them talking about Temple. I was trying to go out there last year, didn't quite make it, but I did check in with Jeff. He's their defensive coordinator. And I wanted to ask him, you know, how he thinks their defense is shaping up and, you know, who I should keep my eyes on for them. But I haven't gotten to connect with him yet. So I was waiting to see what he was going to say before I shared too much information. But I will <laughs> say to people listening, stay tuned. <laughs> Well, no, I, I I felt like I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, A, because, you know, you have the relationship there, but B, Temple is a team that's really gone through transition since Matt Rule, mm-hmm. of course, you know, took the, uh, the Carolina job. So I know definitely there are, uh, we do have a dedicated Temple audience who are seven, certainly from the uh, former co-host of the American podcast, Joe Serpico. So they want to make sure we touch on the Temple Owls there really quick. But last and not least, my final question before we go in, or our final AAC-related question, I'll ask you one fun question at the end. Do you believe that there are multiple teams in the American that could compete in a Power Five conference? And I know in my notes I listed the Big Twelve, but whichever Power Five conference you want to say, do you believe that there are multiple teams in the American who could compete at the quote unquote Power Five level? A hundred percent. I think it's very, very clear that the talent in this conference is is it can be trans transferred to another conference like you can look at some of these opponents and some of the non-conference games and just see it you know the numbers they don't lie and I love that the American you know keeps scheduling teams that are strong so that you know there's no one way to judge these schools against one another unless they play each other so I love that 16 of their 44 non-conference games are against power five schools or Notre Dame and, and you like to see that because then you have an idea of how they really stack up. Now, of course, they can have bad games any day, but I think across the board, the talent in the American is definitely something that could translate to a Power Five conference. Absolutely. My final question for you, Em, before I pass it off to Joe to close this one up. It's a fun question I love to ask people who have had the travels that you and I have had across the <laughs> – press box landscape and last year this was kind of my running joke em that uh, across conference usa at least at the group of five level we had our run of boxed turkey lunches uh because due to the covid <laughs> pandemic that was always just boxed turkey sandwiches and then like a bottle of water but aside from last year what is the best press box meal you have had in all of your travels oh my god that is an extremely hard question actually <laughs> <laughs> or, or more or most uh, memorable well what would you can be best or most memorable however you want to you want to uh, do it i will say this um i've had some very very good press box meals just all over the country you know and i love when they do the regional stuff, you know, if they're known for something they'll have in the press box, whether it's barbecue or, 
you know, chicken or whatever it is, pizza. But I will say this, the Stanford press box is phenomenal. And, and I'll tell you why. Their meals are good, but they not only have the meal before the game, you know, and during, they switch stuff out. So when you come at halftime, there is a different spread, like a second course almost. And then after the game, they have pizza for all the writers and the press box members. So it's like a three-course meal with salad and fruit and, you know, whatever the pasta or dish is. And it's amazing. So every time I cover a Stanford game, I get so spoiled because the food is just like eating at a restaurant. And it's, it's incredible. So that one, I have to say, is probably one of the best experiences. Joe, I will just kind of piggyback off Emily. I have not been to the Stanford press box, but I will say this. The best press box meal I've had. Ironically, it was a game that Emily was supposed to cover and didn't make it out there. It was the Gasparilla Bowl, the 20, 2019, we're still 2019, Gasparilla Bowl uh, at the end of the 2019 season at Raymond James Stadium, which of course is great because it's a five-mile drive from home, but they had a pasta bar, a chicken mm. bar. So they had barbecued chicken, uh, grilled chicken. They had you know kind of like a Cuban-style chicken. I mean, that was just incredible. The pasta bar. And then usually they only do this for Bucks games. Bucks games for dessert. They have the Bananas Foster for the writers. They brought that over for the Gasparilla Bowl. And that was phenomenal. Wow. So that is the best meal I've had. And I will toss it back to you on that note, my friend. I have not had the pleasure of covering games at either of these places, but I'm gonna <laughs> after hearing you two <laughs> talk about it. My God. Bananas Foster, four-course meals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a there's a lot of uh, headaches that come with being a, a traveling writer, but stuff like that almost makes it worth it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's that's fantastic. Um, well, like we said at the top of the show, I know we are incredibly excited to get another season of G5 college football going uh, and we are going to do our best to cover everything and uh, every storyline that we can. And uh, Miss Emily Van Buskirk is going to be a big part of that. So keep coming back to Underdog Dynasty every day for more from our entire team, including our newest edition. And uh, Emily, we are going to see you uh, on your own podcast on Underdog pretty soon with uh, our guy dan morrison i can't wait well awesome uh to everybody out there thank you all so much for listening uh check us out on apple podcast and spotify and subscribe if you haven't already uh and then follow eric and myself on twitter at j-o-e-h-i-o underscore and at eric c henry underscore and uh we will be back next week with uh, more cusa stuff and uh everything that goes with it uh happy football watching everybody we will talk to you soon Bye.